worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Season 5 of Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Listen, laugh, and learn. Today on the show... We'll invite you to play with us as we talk about, well, yeah, yeah, oh boy, about games people play, about uh, games people play. Folks, get your mind out of the gutter. Nick's is already there and there's no double park. Ah. Useless geography information and inventions. Oh, that's where you put that. Plus, we'll open up the mailbag and in news from around the world, a man's member was too much to handle at the border. Totally useless information it's everything you never needed to know welcome to episode number 15 the podcast before christmas step right up here step right up folks don't be shy move it totally useless information with nick and roy present games people play welcome this is the podcast before christmas and all through the house that a creature was stirring just useless information. Games people play. So I am a huge, huge You're fan. such a Dickens. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm wearing my dicky, as it were. Um, speaking of which, as we said in the news from around the world. Um, anyway, so I'm a big, big fan of game shows, specifically Match Game. You don't mm. remember that from the 70s? And they had that wacky Jim music. Rayburn. Jim Rayburn. Jim Rayburn. Gene Rayburn. Gene Rayburn. That's right. Gene Rayburn was the host and had six celebrities. Well, during a corporate creative meeting in the early 1960s, Goodson Todman, remember those names? Bill uh, Goodson and whatever. Bill uh, Todman, whatever those guys' names. A staffer named Frank Wayne had an idea. He said, let's try this. He tried this, he said, to his coworkers around the table. Write down something about an elephant and try to write the same thing that you think the others will write down. And several of the answers, of course, were it's gray, it's big. And two people wrote, it has a trunk. So Mark Goodson was intrigued by this concept. And that's where you say, well, wait a minute. There's no really right or wrong answers. You just have to match them. And the match game was born. Oh, see, that's cool. Just that table. You see, because back then, marijuana was illegal, and they were the only ones probably getting it. <laughs> yes, they were. <laughs> More on that later. Wow. I'm interested in the uh, news of the day about the man, the man's member. Yeah, it was too hot to handle <laughs> at the border. Talk about a bad down. Okay. The world of Warcraft helped epidemiologists. There's a, a video game called the world of Warcraft for those that are not familiar with it. Crafty, yes. It's like a Game of Thrones thing on on games, you know, mm -hmm. but, but the character Hakkar, H-A-K-K-A-R, unleashes, uh, unleashes a contagious disease oh. on the, the video world. And the disease spreads to, from player to player in the game. And scientists literally 
because this is a number of years old, this game, they re- they studied the results of the players and how they reacted to the response of the pandemic. And it has helped them understand the response of people during this pandemic. Imagine that. So it's almost like someone knew. You think? Uh, sticking with the match game, uh, <laughs> Dick DiBartolo. Let's not even go there. No, we're not going to go there. That's geography. That's coming up in another the, the next segment on totally useless information with Nick and Roy. Don't go there. Uh, Dick DiBartolo was a match game question writer and a freelance writer for Mad Magazine. Match game had been on the air for 10 months, and Mark Goodson approached DiBartolo and said, listen, heads up, the ratings on NBC are not going so well, and uh, we could be canceled. DiBartolo had a suggestion. Why not put a silly Mad Magazine sort of twist on their questions? For example, Mary likes to pour gravy on John's blank. Now, this was 1963, and the panelists would give answers like mashed potatoes or meatloaf. Right. But the unspoken possibilities made the audience laugh because their they minds. Say, were... They could say in 1960, she, they poured the gravy on his meat. That's right. Yeah. That and was like dirty, funny. Exactly. Goodson right. started incorporating one or two, quote, silly questions per game, and the ratings miraculously steadily increased. It's like when me and Nick say the one eyed trousers sausage. Right. Or. We're, or yes, we're talking about food, of course. You know, we're talking mm-hmm. about uh, dinner suggestions. The old Italian bologna. <laughs> yeah, that's the two of us, Royal Castillo and Nick Mariano. This is as as Italian bologna as you can get. The old sausage. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Welcome to the match game. McDonald's for twenty five years. They do the Monopoly promotion every year. Oh yeah. Where when you buy something from them, you get a piece, like a, a Monopoly piece, and they give they also come out with a board, and you can match the pieces. If you get all the pieces, you win a million dollars. Of course, only one person wins the million dollars. Right. But one year, 1995, St. Jude's Hospital won the million dollars. Really? The pieces were donated to St. Jude's, they received an envelope with the pieces in 1995. They claimed their million dollars. Of course, McDonald's paid out the million, but McDonald's was also aware that the pieces had been stolen from their corporate office. Oh, was it the Hamburglar? They believed that somebody from inside of McDonald's sent the pieces to St. Jude's. They never asked for the money back, even though the pieces were stolen, and thus... The game was rigged. <laughs> so seriously, I ask a serious question. Was it the Hamburglar who stole the McDonald's? Probably. The, the probably. You got to keep an eye on him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, but they're all clowning around there. That's right. Ronald McDonald. <laughs> now, recently, speaking of Ronald McDonald, here's another bonus fact about McDonald's. The original, mm-hmm. the very first Ronald McDonald... Oh, what's his name? Was the late, and he just passed away recently in the airing of this podcast recently. His name was? Willard Scott. And it was Willard Scott. That's right. The late Willard Scott was the original Ronald McDonald, the very first one. There you go. Something Mm -hmm. to tell your friends around the Christmas party. If you have any gatherings, even if it's a Zoom, a virtual one, the information we're going to give to you on this show, you're going to want to spread. This is a spreadable event where you can spread this information without any problems. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. You might want to tell him something a little more interesting, like this swinging sirloin. No. <laughs> the man's member was too hot to handle for the border guards. Uh, sticking. Tell us another game fact. Mike. I'm going to tell you about match game. All of my facts today were games people play. They all match. With, they all match. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they match with match game. 100%. The episodes, you talk about a long day. The episodes were filmed marathon style over one single weekend. You might wonder how some of the panelists and some of the episodes seem like a bit tipsy as their answers grew more outrageous. Well, Gene Rayburn, the host, lived on Cape Cod in Massachusetts and flew to Los Angeles every two weeks on Friday. The cast and the crew would tape 12 shows over the weekend. Whoa. And with such an exhaustive schedule, the panelists and hosts would, you know, imbibe a little over the lunch break and dinner breaks. <laughs> Seemed like a lot, but go ahead. <laughs> so depending upon the time of day the episode was taped, the styrofoam cups that you see each member having they were sipping on was frequently filled with vodka instead of water. Oh, boy. And despite his on-screen demeanor, Richard Dawson did not indulge. His beverage of choice was always coffee, and the cast never really appeared to be outright bombed. Yeah, but you don't were, want to mix vodka with cocaine and heroin. No, not at all. <laughs> but they were decidedly uh, looser in some episodes. So there you go. Yeah. They, they filmed them over a long time. And yeah, they really, really uh, had a long day ahead of them. But they got them all done. Interesting. Well, here's one you could tell your friends and wow them with your mathematical genius. <laughs> yeah. But really, literally, it came from two useless guys like us. Yes. The number of permutations, and you can actually say the word permutations as yes. well. It makes you seem so much smarter. Yes. The, the number of permutations in a deck of cards is a stunning 8 times 10 to the 67th power. That means I, I, yeah, how many numbers there are more card combinations in a deck of cards than there are stars in the Milky Way and the Milky Way has 400 billion stars. Yeah. First of all, uh, we don't play with a full deck. So between the two of us, we play <laughs> with a full deck. And we tend to be the jokers in the, in the deck of cards. <laughs> One last fact from Match We're like Game. like wild card. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we are wild cards. Uh so on one last fact about the match game, there were some pre-celebrity contestants. The actress from the show Chips, Brianne Leary, appeared in a 1976 episode and won a little over $9,000. While she was a struggling actress, Kirstie Alley from Cheers, from Wichita, Kansas, she appeared on the game show as an in she she said she was an interior designer. Right, and she had probably all fixed. This is the sixties; they were all drugged up. No, this is the seventies. They paid. She said she paid her bills by appearing on TV game shows. And in nineteen seventy nine, she won some big bucks on as a match game. Kirstie Alley. Yeah, I knew her sister, Bowling Alley. (laughs) 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 Yeah, she was always hanging out in the gutter. (laughs) It's a fine piece of work. We'd roll balls at her. Again, tune into the end of the show. News from around the world. A man's member is too much to okay. handle for the board. I got guys. another one that people need to. This is a good one, too. All right. Did you ever play the bird, uh, board, bird game? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm drinking yeah. with. Yeah, with he's, he's a match game. Yes. Did you ever play the board game Clue, Nick? Yes, but I'd never had a clue. But go on. Yes. Well, you, do you have the board game Clue at home? 
I don't, but I can go get one. That's because you're clueless. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes, I am clueless. I've been the, in the board thing. game yeah. Clue. Uh huh. There is a, a character in the board game called Mr. Green. All he right. is the murdering businessman. Okay. In the game Clue, the game was invented in 1948 in England. It was an overnight success. People loved the game. They were going to launch it in the United States. But there was no murdering businessman named Mr. Green. The original game in 1948 had Mr. Reverend Green. Reverend Green was a murderer. And they thought they didn't want to release it in the United States because maybe the religious aspect of it and that the Reverend was a murderer. So they substituted Reverend Green for Mr. Green. Wow. <laughs> no relation to the Reverend Al Green, of course, the great singer. No, 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 no. Not no. at all. Al Green. Nope. Yeah. So we, we just kill you with lots of totally useless information as you're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Throw away your totally useless GPS. It's time for geography. So get lost with Nick and Roy. Yeah. We know Canada. Mm -hmm. We know that Canada has lots of fresh water because you guys have so many lakes. I think you have the most lakes in the world. Yes. But you don't have the most fresh water in the world. We don't. Not even close. Not even anywhere near. Most fresh water in the world is in Antarctica. Antarctica. I knew her. I, I knew her. Antarctica yeah. has the most. They have 5,400,000 miles or 14 million square kilometers of frozen water. 5 million miles of frozen water. In fact, 90% of the Earth's water is, is in Antarctica. Ugh, that's one big ice cube. Yeah. But listen, <laughs> now i got to tell you something. So when all these people go, we're running out of water, yeah. let me just explain something to you. You hop in a boat, you go down there with a little hammer and chisel, you come back with a big block, you're all set. With an icebreaker, which, by the way, is where the expression came from. Uh -huh. <laughs> see what I did? A little seg I, I segued there. A little segued. <clears throat> very good. Very good, uh, Jim Rayburn. That's Gene Rayburn. Jim Rayburn was his brother, I mm -hmm. think. Anyway, uh, many Italians love doing this at home. What, what do they do, Nick? They absolutely love and adore coffee. Ah, the cafe. The cafe. They enjoy 14. Uh, <laughs> Want to go for coffee? They enjoy. That's courtesy of my friend uh, Fly Guy, Guy Valentine. Uh, they enjoy 14 billion espressos. Espressos, not espressos, okay? Yeah, Give I me know. a little less. Espresso. 14 billion espressos every year. That's 14 a, billion. 14 billion. Now, it's impressive for a country with a population of just over 60 million. You'd think they would work harder, too. They were constantly taking breaks, the Italians. Well, they work hard. They work hard to find one. <laughs> they work hard to find coffee. Yeah, right. <laughs> They're on this quest because they want to raise the, the amount of coffee consumption to $15 billion. They got it right. They boy. do. They, they live drink. in paradise. They drink coffee all day long. They take 15, 20 breaks a day. And the most beautiful woman in the world, because I know, because my wife's pure Italian. There you go. That, that she's a fine cup of coffee, huh? huh? <laughs> she's a cappuccino. Oh, yeah, she sure is. She's a, uh, no, yeah. Okay, the average Italian household, by the way. Oh, trust me, she's a lot. 
latte. <laughs> She's a latte. <laughs> a lot to handle, eh? <laughs> uh, speaking of a lot to handle in the news from around the world, a man with a large member. No. The average Italian, <laughs> by the way, consumes 82 pounds of coffee every year. Holy mackerel. Holy coffee. I thought I drank a lot of coffee. Nope. The Philippines has the archipelago islands. Yeah. I just like that word, archipelago. It's such a I nice word. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of rolls off the tongue. Well, there's 7,500 of them. I think we discussed that on one of our prior shows. We did. About the archipelago islands. But only, we didn't discuss this. Only 2,000 of the 7,500 are inhabited. And some 5,000 of the islands haven't even been named yet. But get this, there's over 175 different languages between the 2,000 islands. So when you go from one island, might be five minutes away from the other, they speak a completely different language on that island. And there's 175 different languages. So if you're going to be fluent in the archipelago uh, islands of the Philippines, yeah. You better have some good uh, linguistics, so to speak. Well, I had linguistics <laughs> for lunch yesterday with little. Uh... I love it with clams. <laughs> <laughs> linguistics and clam sauce is yes, delicious. It is. Thousands of tourists flocked the beautiful Fontana di Trevi in Rome. Ooh, he said it. Do it again, Nick. Fontana di Trevi. <laughs> I rolled my tongue so much it got blisters on it. Uh, they throw coins in the fountain, of course, for good luck. A whopping 3,000 euros of change is counted every day. In 2016, as the latest report that I have, an estimated $1.5 million U.S. was thrown in the fountain. Oh, wow. The money is collected and donated to charity, including subsidizing a supermarket in Rome for those in need. The tradition of throwing coins in the fountain, by the way, stems from a local legend that says if you toss a coin from your right hand shoulder, you will return to Rome in one day. There was a film in the 1950s, Three Coins in a Fountain, inspired a second legend says if you toss two more coins, you'll find a new romance to have a gorgeous Roman wedding. Oh, wow. See, folks, all this nonsense is totally free to you. Yes, to- <laughs> that's right. It's but it totally- is interesting. I mean, who the hell counts the money in the fountain except us? That's how we get paid. Okay. Get ready for this one. The no-fly list. No-fly zone. Okay? All right. The Taj Mahal is a no-fly zone and miles around it. No plane can fly over the Taj Mahal, no matter how high or it doesn't matter. They have to fly around the Taj Mahal, not over it. For a number of reasons. Number one, the Taj Mahal is made of white porous marble. And they found that planes flying low and over it were releasing pollution that was turning the marble a darker color. And they didn't like that. Plus the fact they're worried about somebody, you know, pulling a 9-11, I guess, or something. So no fly zone over the Taj Mahal. You know where else is a no fly zone? A nude beach. Yeah, a no-fly zone is is most of my pants. <laughs> if you're wearing any. Uh, I like to button down myself. Oh, come on. If you really have to go to the bathroom, you have to unbutton every single one of them? Come on. Go right in between, Nick. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, how large are your buttons? Uh, speaking of cheese, one of the most delicious facts about Italy, or Italy, hmm. Italia, Italy, is they have the highest variety of cheeses in the world. One of the, Italy's greatest gifts of the world is 2,500 traditional cheeses. Wow. Okay? Some of the most popular include Parmesan, mozzarella, ricotta, provolone, and gorgonzola. Yeah. The country is third largest cheese producer in the world, in the European Union, excuse me. The third largest cheese producer in the European Union behind France and Germany. Wow. If you really like cheese, head to Lombardy, where they make 77 varieties of cheeses. That's a lot of cheese. Yeah. I, I had an Italian girlfriend named Marge. I would buy her stuff, and I'd say, it's it's for Marge. <laughs> oh, for wow. Marge. Yeah, that joke was for Marge. Some cheeses get finer as they age. Some jokes get cheesier and cheesier. Amon. <laughs> Jordan, Amon. Yes. Everybody's heard of Amon Jordan. Yes. It's just one of those things. It's spelled A-M-M-A-N. The two M's um, in there? Yes, A-M-M, oh. like am Man. Okay. Okay. And Amon Jordan has an interesting past. Its original name was Amon. A-M-M-O-N. Oh. And it was that for thousands of years. But then the Romans and the Greeks took over, and they changed the name, get ready, to Philadelphia. Really? Oh. Yes, I mean, how oddball is that one? I love this one for the show because I was like, how oddball, Philadelphia. Okay, and it was that for hundreds and hundreds of years until eventually it was taken over by the Muslims again. They said, we will name it back to exactly what it was. And they spelt it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like Canada, Canada yeah. became Canada. Canada. Exactly, yeah, we couldn't spell either. Uh wow. A, so I A. thought I thought maybe you were talking like Jamaican Yaman. Aman. Aman. But can you imagine they spelled it wrong? A M M A N wow. instead of O N? Wow. Yeah, they didn't have spell check. Lost in translation. Yes. Uh and uh one more fact about Italy. Um so we talked about how they love their coffee and they love cheese. They make lots of cheese. How about some mm -hmm. wine to go along with that cheese? Uh, there's a it. there's a place in Italy that has a free wine fountain. No. It's in Caldari di Ortona in Italy. A small town has free wine fountain that flows whenever this particular winery is open. La Fontana de Vino, which is the fountain of wine. Just to be honest with everyone on the show, Nick and I went there for a weekend. Free wine, count me in. Well, <laughs> it sits on the pilgrimage route of Camino di Santo Maso. So when mm -hmm. you're walking that long uh, pilgrimage walk, you you get thirsty. So might as well have a bottle of water. No, have some Italian wine. Yeah, and the Camino del Santomaso is Italian for this is where Thomas fell down. <laughs> <laughs> rough translation, really, really rough. Now, I went to Sicily, and I am not a wine drinker. In fact, I re rarely drink wine. Mm -hmm. I drank wine for almost what i was there for how long a three long weeks time. i think it was three weeks three four weeks yeah, yeah. and i drank wine every day really for and, and listen drink it like water everywhere you go is wine and every time you sit down it's the most amazing handcrafted amazing light tasting great wine you could taste the grape just wonderful wonderful sicily if you've never been to sicily folks go, go. 
go there. You will love it. Love it. Exactly. Speaking of love, you're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Innovations. Ideas. The Totally Useless Information Podcast presents inventions speaking of love they better wait till the end of the show for news around the world for the guy that has a big member or the something. man's member was too much to handle for the border guards is the headline jesus this is gonna be good <laughs> in 1956 wilson great botch grabs the wrong resistor and connects it to a device he's building to record heartbeats when the circuit emits a pulse, he realizes that the device can be used to control the beat. In 1960, four years later, the first pacemaker is successfully implanted into a human. Wow. It's a good thing they called it a pacemaker and not a botched up. <laughs> That's right, because his name was Wilson Great Botch. Great Botch. He really greatly botched this up, but thankfully he did. He grabbed the wrong resistor and wow. looked what yep. and, and he figured that out. Yep. Cool. Yep. So Robert Cheeseborough, yeah, not to be confused with Robert Cheeseburger, who works for McDonald's, but right, or Mayor McCheese, cousin cousin to the hamburger and Mayor right. McCheese, but but anyway, Robert Cheeseborough invented petroleum jelly, hmm. petroleum jelly, which a lot of people are very fond of. What they do with it, we won't be discussing until later in another show. But <laughs> oh, you put <laughs> it on your, you, you, know, oh, no, you put it on your lips to keep your lips moist. Yes, it works great as a, a lip balm. Mm -hmm. But did you know that Robert, and I call him that because I know him. Oh yeah, <laughs> no, Bob. Robert Cheeseborough ate a spoonful of petroleum jelly every day, and he said to people that he knew, please eat a teaspoonful of petroleum jelly every day. Why? The health benefits are amazing. Okay? This man ate a teaspoon of petroleum jelly every day. I don't know for how many years, but he slipped right into that coffin real easy. I'll tell <laughs> <He> you. <did. laughs> wow. Ew. And I mean, Ew. I mean, how do you eat petroleum jelly? Just the consistency alone oh, is Come disgusting. on. Are you kidding with peanut butter? Peanut butter and petroleum jelly. Why not? Yeah, and they were like, that guy, Robert, I don't like him. He's got a slick tongue. <laughs> yes, he's real slick. In 1961, it introduced, this company introduced the first cordless electric drill powered by a nickel cadmium battery. Meanwhile, Black and Decker contracted with Martin Marietta to design tools for NASA, including a zero-impact wrench that turned bolts without spinning the astronaut. The cordless drill. Oh. Mm. So Black and Decker uh, teamed up with NASA, and they were able to. Sure, because if, if the drill, if the you had to muscle the damn thing, you didn't have gravity to stand behind the weight behind you. Although the way I do my uh, house home improvements, yeah, I go yeah. spinning around and round. Yeah, Nick uses a lot of petroleum jelly. The inventor of the television yeah. was Philo Farnsworth. Oh, Could you imagine that we said, I'm going to sit down and watch the Fawnsworth. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> watch Thank Happy God. Days. He'll watch the Fawns on Fawn the Fawnsworth. Yeah. Philo Fawnsworth. You don't know his name, Philo, because he was a potato farmer. And while plowing the potato fields, he came up with an idea in his head of a TV. The whole thing. It took him seven years. And he came up with a prototype 
And then all the big corporations stole it from him, and he died penniless in obscurity at the age of 64 oh. with a baked potato sitting next to him. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he was buried inside a big baked potato. With a baked potato and a spoonful of petroleum jelly. <laughs> <laughs> and bacon bits. And you, the, the corporation said, you know where you can put that baked potato? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, uh, oddly enough, he was cremated. <laughs> He was really baked. He was cremated into French fries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the next time you go to McDonald's, have he's you, a potato farm. He's a big, yeah. Okay. He died, and they put those little plastic pieces on his head. <laughs> Are we in the game section? Hey, uh, Bill Bowerman, the track coach of the University of Oregon, sacrifices breakfast for peak performance when he pours rubber into his waffle iron. What? Forming lightweight soles. Soles, I said, not Dr. Scholes. That's a different uh, invention. But mm -hmm. so he poured rubber into his waffle iron, forming right. lightweight soles for his athletes' running shoes. Three years later, Bowerman's company, Nike, introduces <gasps> the waffle trainer, which is an instant hit. Oh. Huh. That's a good one. Yeah. Folks, you need to tell people that one. Yeah, and pour and pour um, by pouring rubber in a waffle line. That's My right. wife makes French uh those French type waffles in a waffle line. They taste like rubber. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She'll bounce you right out of the house after hearing that one. Come on. In the same show I said she's the most beautiful woman in the world. Yeah, she yeah, that's true. Can't make a damn waffle though, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Big companies get a whole lot of nonsense just because they're big companies, right? They're always the bad guy and everything like that. Yeah. Well, Volvo, the car company, invented the three-point seatbelt. Probably one of the most safe things that they've done for the human being since don't touch the fire. 100 <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay, so they invented it, and they patented it, and they could have kept it just for themselves but they said every car company in the world should use this, and they relinquished the patent and gave the seatbelt to everyone to use. Wow, that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So thanks to Volvo, mm -hmm. everyone's lives are saved. And thanks to Volvo, I have that godforsaken buzzer going, ding, 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 <laughs> ding, 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 and it won't shut off. I don't get what I do. I have to put the seatbelt on. And as you can see, I'm not a small guy. So putting a seatbelt on for me requires my arm to go probably further than most people, you know, stretch their arm. And <laughs> yeah. uh, nobody can see that because this is an audio podcast, but you can just imagine it. The term, <laughs> the term fiber optic was coined in 1956, but it wasn't until 1970 that scientists at Corning produced a fiber of ultra pure glass that transmits light well enough to be used for telecommunications. Light traveling through a vacuum moves at exactly, write this down, mm -hmm. 299,792,458 meters, or... It's 459, but go ahead. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I forgot to carry the one. Or 900, over 983 million feet per second, or 186,282 miles per second. Wow, that's if, pretty fast. If you were traveling at the speed of that light, you could fly around the world seven and a half times in one second. Fiber oh, optics. Oh, wow. Yeah, there you go. That's why most uh, most of uh, people's television sets get their programming now through five. 
fiber optics. See, Nick tries to make himself seem smart with all these large, confusing numbers. Mm -hmm. Did it work? I'm still confused. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly it did. How about a jar of petroleum jelly to help you along? <laughs> hey, listen, wait. Yeah, yeah. You've seen desks, right? I mean, yeah, I'm sitting at one right now. Yes. Okay. Are you sitting on a swivel chair? Yes, I am, as a matter of fact. Okay, most desks have swivel chairs. They do. It helped us to be able to reach things at other parts of the desk. Okay. If you had a stationary chair, you'd have to get up to reach those things because you wouldn't be able to move in that direction. That's correct. The swivel chair was invented by Thomas Jefferson. Oh. Not only did he invent it, but he wrote almost the entire Declaration of Independence while sitting on a prototype. Imagine, oh my goodness, so wow. <laughs> Jeez, it's enough to make your How seat cool spin. is that? Did that spin you around, Nick? <laughs> my head's still spinning. So if you'd like to uh, stop the room from spinning, go to our website, nickandroy.com, and you can click on Contact Us. And Where? Nickandroy.com. Mm. Go to the tab that says Contact Us. It's on the right side just around where it says music by roy and if you're in the southwest part of florida click music mm -hmm. by roy to check out where roy is performing but mm -hmm. contact us you <laughs> send us an email go hear roy sing and then you click on contact us where nickandroy.com what's in the mail bag what's in the mail Joan from Burlington, New Jersey writes, Dear Nick and Roy, we always have a great time with you. On, <laughs> on your show, I mean. <laughs> okay. Joan sent us some petroleum jelly. Yeah. I, <laughs> that's right. I can't wait for you guys to pop up <laughs> on my phone. I'm sorry. I'm having connection issues. Let me, let me try that again. I, I can't wait for you guys to pop up Mm. on my phone every i'm just doing that on purpose she can't wait for you guys to, for us to pop up on her phone every week with a new episode it comes out every thursday thanks joan i have a question for you why do we use symbols for male and female hmm. well it's a good question thanks joan from burlington new jersey the reason for that is likely the image of, of mars being the roman god of war and venus being the roman equivalent of aphrodite the male symbol represents the shield and spear of Mars, while the female symbol represents Aphrodite's hand mirror. Oh, so you're talking about the circle with the line? That's correct. Those are the symbols, the traditional symbols for male and female. Oh, I, I liked it better when Joan was expecting us to pop up and sending us some Vaseline. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's the name brand. No, no, no product placing. I got a mailbag. Margot W. Yeah. Get ready. All right. From Fargo, North Dakota. So this is Margo from Fargo. <laughs> Margo from Fargo. That's yeah. why I had her. How read far it. did she like, go? How did how far did like Margo Margo go? From Margo. <laughs> she says, here's a um bottle of petroleum gel. No. She says she listens every week with her mom and her twin sister. And I just thought that that was so odd that she would put that in. It's so descriptive that she listens with her mom and her twin sister. They all love the show 
They listen to the show every week and they do it together. So uh, uh, Nick and I have the show that brings family together. Mm-hmm. There you go. That and odd things with petroleum jelly, but that's another show. But they said, we love you. We love you. Please keep up the good work and shout out to my mom, Carol. So hi, Carol. Hi, Carol. And, and Margo and twin sister, because we don't have her name. So I thought because of this, I looked up a bunch of stuff about twins. Since 1980, the birth of twins has gone up one third from nine out of every thousand to 12 out of every thousand babies is a twin. That means one out of every 42 babies born is a twin. That's a little confusing to me because if they're twins, there's two of them. So did they use the two or did they use one baby as for two? Nick, I figured that's a perfect one for you because it's a mathematical conundrum. And Nick loves conundrums and Vaseline petroleum jelly brought to you by. <laughs> so, Margo, I just thought I would give you that little fact that one out of every 42 babies born now is a twin. So you're not so damn special, Margo. Neither are you or your twin sister. Yeah. yeah. Margo from Fargo. She went far go for that one. Thank you. And you can go to and buy the buy the Carol. Hi, Carol. Bye, Carol. Bye, Carol. Hi, Carol. Bye, Carol. <laughs> Speaking of Carols, uh, Christmas Carols, specifically next week. See what I did there? Uh, next week, yeah, stay tuned for good. the. Uh, thank you, Nick and Roy's totally useless Christmas party. We have special guests and lots of fun planned, but we'll tell you more about that later. But in the meantime, you're listening to totally useless information with Nick and Roy. And now for something completely useless. All right, here we go. Yeah, a narwhal. A narwhal. You know what a narwhal is? No, I don't. Nobody knows what a narwhal is. Well, why don't you tell us what a narwhal is? It sounds like something from like Game of Thrones or something, right? Okay. Narwhals are coming. But anyway, do you know that a narwhal is like a toss between a whale, a dolphin, and a unicorn? I often wondered about the unicorn. I know, especially with that long thing that comes out of its head. That's when petroleum jelly really <laughs> comes into play. <laughs> Unless you go through the airport where a man's member. Anyway, we'll talk about that news from around the world. Folks, shortly. Look up narwhal yeah. on your phone. It's spelled N-A-R-W-A-L. It literally looks like a like a toss between a whale dolphin. And it has this long spear like tusk coming out of its head like a unicorn so you can wonder where unicorn the the theory of unicorns the tusk of the narwhal is helping scientists understand the conditions of the water because the tusk grows like the rings of a tree oh and from those rings if they cut the tusk which that's got to be an interesting thing. Let's go grab a narwhal yeah. and cut his tusk off. Oh, you know? I don't like anybody grabbing my pole and cutting it off. No, but no, anyway, no. not with any petroleum jelly nearby. <laughs> yeah. You got to give me a little petroleum jelly before you do that. Yeah. But anyway, they cut the tusks off the narwhals and they checked the rings and they could see what the pollution levels were in the water and so on nice. and so forth. So thank you to the narwhals. And look up Narwhal because you're going to be amazed at what it looks like. It looks like a, a floating dolphin unicorn. After you listen to the show, of course. But here's one for you, and a useless fact from my files. You know those uh, hats that have pom-poms on them? No. Well, up here in North... <laughs> beanie of- hats? No, not beanie. They're pom-poms. They're like a pom-pom on top of a winter hat. Like a woolen A polo? woolen pullover and- hat has a pom-pom at the top. Yes. 
Yes, yeah. Pom-poms were initially added to hats to protect sailors from hurting their heads. Oh. French sailors, you know, how you love the French so yeah, much. French sailors, they use a lot of petroleum. Yeah. Jelly. <laughs> <laughs> They did an that's act. The, yeah. that's, they're like a petroleum jelly. Yes, we we French sailors <laughs> needed extra protection for their heads while sailing in rough weather, so they added pom poms to their hats. This way, they would not hurt themselves when their heads hit the ceiling during the rough times on the seas. You know what American sailors do? They just don't hit their head on the ceiling. <laughs> that's right. They wear they wear a hard hat. But uh, hey, you can't train the French. No, you can't. Hey, this week on the show we. T- we talked about games people play. We talked about geography. We learned about some inventions. Oh, no. And many, many uses for petroleum jelly. It's petroleum jelly. Her name was Jenny. It's time for the news. And now, from around the corner and around the world, this is TUI News. A man who claims to have the world's largest member has described how his unusual bulge caused him to be stopped by airport security. Actor Yona Falcon, who previously claimed that he has a 13-and-a-half-inch member, has helped his A-listers and Oscar winners by admitting to those people that his reputation has ruined his career. Wow. He claimed... When he went to the TSA, what did he say to them? You own us, my bonus? <laughs> I don't know. He claims it's 13 and a half. But he claimed he wouldn't want a smaller willy, as he put it, and said there's plenty of perks. During an interview with a Swedish podcast, he shared an amusing tale that happened. Well, tale, yeah. That he's happened. got a tale, all right. He's yeah. got a tale hanging from the front. <laughs> and the situation. And he needs petroleum jelly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It slipped right by security. Amazing tale of what happened to him while trying to pass through security at the airport. The incident took place in 2012 when guards from Transport Security, or TSA as you put it, at San Francisco's International Airport. Oh, no. Oh, don't tell They me. became suspicious about his package. A guy named Brucey. Fearing a guy named Brucey from TSA, sir. Got to patch you down. <laughs> <laughs> and get your phone number. Fearing that he might have hidden... So this TSA officer... I think he's smuggling a narwhal. <laughs> he asked him... You didn't he's got a narwhal tusk in his back. I'd really happy to see him. So the TSA officer, fearing he might have a hidden something down his trousers, proceeded to a, to a oh. thorough body search. Jonas oh, said, they thought I had something in my pants. I don't know if it was a gun. <laughs> Maybe they thought it was dynamite. It was a bat. It was an unusual bulge. This is the beginning of those new scanners. This is when the new scanners came out. They basically show you the naked outline. Oh, no. I had the uh, member down the side. There's something strapped to his thigh. (laughs) I had the the member down the side of my leg, halfway down to my knee, and they took me out of the line and had me powder my fingers. For what? I powder think, his fingers. Yeah, I think that it detects... And powder his right-hand fingers, and his left hand went right into the jar of petroleum <laughs> <Your> jelly. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, it's a detective. He had bomb stuff. Anyway, they never okay. actually patted me down or grabbed it, but it just made me, you know, calm, more calm and, and uh, more confident in the procedure. It so was this guy's walking around. Right, with 13 and a half inches, allegedly. And is this flaccid? 
13 and a half inches. He doesn't explain. He says, it was funny at the time. I was never worried about anything, but what was the worst that was going to happen? Were they going to make me pull it out? Where is he from, Nick? Uh, the native New Yorker. First hit the headline. He's a New Yorker. He's a he New Yorker. Like he has a name like from like Europe or something. Uh, no, but he's the native New Yorker. Um, it was it hit the headlines in 1999 as the man with the biggest member in the world, after being profiled in Rolling Stone magazine. Yeah. He appeared on the morning on, on this morning in 2012 and uh, explained he has a girth of eight inches. What? Mm. No, Come that's, on. A, that's what he a said. Lie. Okay. He's now talking a bit much. This guy. I, I measured got, myself. Uh, what did at, he put a flag on it or something? <laughs> up in yes. the morning, waving old glory. So, and what's his name, Nick? His name is. I have to look it up because it, this is such a Johan. Yona. It's Yona Falcon. Yona. That's right. Yona Falcon. Listen to that fake yeah. name. Yona it doesn't Falcon. run in the family. It's just a genetic quirk. My family says that it's kind of embarrassing, but it's it's he's quite known in high school and college apparently. Guys yeah. between the ages of 14 and 22 are the ones who really recognize me. He says. Yeah, they called him the old peg leg Yona. <laughs> this guy's walking around. With, with looks like he's smuggling a salami in his trousers. <laughs> right. He's in a no-fly zone. But that's right. Yeah, they couldn't fit one. So, but in two thousand, the guy standing four feet away from the urinal. <laughs> but this just in, in two thousand fifteen, however, another man called Roberto Roberto Cabrera from uh -oh. Saltillo, Mexico, he came forward insisting that he had the biggest member at eighteen point nine inches. Well, you know what? Then maybe you're reading it wrong. I think his name is Roberto Cobra because he has like a cobra snake in his mouth. Or a Warhol. Wait a minute. So these narwhals are walking around. This guy's walking around with an 18-inch penis. Allegedly, yeah. Allegedly, because nobody checked. No. Maybe well, Johan could have broke, broke Yona. out his... Yona. Uh, Yona. 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 Because he's got in his pants like the size of a whale. That's Yona the whale story. Yeah, right, but anyway, yeah. maybe he could have popped out his 10-year-old ruler and given it over to uh, Roberto Gonzalez. <laughs> it's Cabrera. Cabrero. Okay, we're going to pull the plug on this one. That's all the time that we have for totally useless information with Nick and Roy. Thank goodness. I go that. to the damn airport. They check me for stupid liquids in my thing. And they're looking at the x-ray too. So and they're not seeing anything interesting, I guess. No, no. But uh, join us next week as we... Uh, I tell you the story about when I went to Canada and uh, the friend of ours put an entire prosciutto ham in our bag. <laughs> oh, yeah, that story. Well, we'll tell that another time, maybe in the new year. Because Maybe I should have put it in my pants. It would have smuggled a little easier. And, and, right, and called himself a Yona Falcon. Um, my name is Roy Narwhal. <laughs> Hey, next week we have our Christmas special. We invite you to join us and on this iHeartRadio station and wherever you get your podcast. We thank you very much for listening. We have a very special Christmas program coming your way. We have lots of special guests, some surprise guests. They yes. told us, I don't know how that's a surprise, but they're going to stop by and give us totally useless information as we present Nick and Roy's totally useless Christmas party. It's going to be great. Yeah. We have people coming and they're just going to knock on the old Christmas door and give us their little stories about Christmas. I think it's going to be so cool. I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. Thanks for listening. Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy is a production of NickAndRoy.com. Visit NickAndRoy.com to access the full library of episodes or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>